I'm a weirdo. I've always been a weirdo. I've always felt different from everybody else. I, and I, I can't explain it. There's no tangible, concrete words. It's just something in me that I always felt like I think differently than other people. Like I, I don't know. I can't, ex- I, even now, like as an adult, I can't explain it, but I just know that there's something off maybe mm-hmm. a little bit little quirky, little weird. Okay. And I've embraced it. I've totally embraced it. So yeah. yeah, I've always been drawn to the dark. everyone and welcome to a new episode of set lusting bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson we are getting off the bruce train though i'm sure he will come up as he often does we are on the horror and fantasy train we are talking to my new friend maria welcome to the podcast maria hi thanks for having me Yes. So I'm going to try to be as entertaining as I can because Maria had trouble going to sleep last night and she had to work all day. <laughs> and so I need to keep her entertained. So hopefully we'll have a engaging conversation. So sure. tell us a little about yourself. I'm an author. I write dark fantasy and horror for young adults and adults. I'm also a teacher. So that's like my gig, I guess. I don't know. Consumes most of my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just, a, I'm a pretty wacky kind of, kind of chick. What, where do you teach and what grade? I teach in Florida. There's this little town called Lithia okay. and I teach seventh grade language arts. So I teach the kids how to read and write and all that fun yeah. stuff. And I also teach, which is, I teach a really cool class, journalism. Okay. okay. And It's like half eighth grade, half seventh grade, and we do the yearbook for the school. So that's neat. Maria, you mentioned that before we discussed, you asked about our language restrictions. I told her to feel free. So now I'm going to get you right. I'm going to pull you offside right away. How are you feel being a teacher in the Florida atmosphere? People ask me this all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I'm sorry. I asked the same question as everyone. No, 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 no. Just in general, because obviously the climate of everything going on, I have to be honest. I, I don't have any problem. That's great. I don't have any problem. I, I haven't had, I haven't had any issues. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that my kids trust me. Yeah. Everything's cool day law and I'm, I'm managing. And is the is your school administrators supportive? Absolutely. And so is that part of the reason why? Because I would think most of them are, especially um, and absolutely once you get to college, you should be exploring a lot of different thoughts and feelings. But in, in junior high, you need to help the kids express themselves and learn about different things. So good for you. I know it's a hard job. It's a rewarding job. Uh, I is. hope. No, it and, is. It is. Yeah. So. I usually, I'm going to ask this question two ways. I usually start when I have someone who's a passionate music fan 
what kind of music did your family listen to growing up? I am going to ask you that question, but when you answer that, then I want to know, were you a family of readers growing up? I always like to ask my writers then. Okay. So which, which one do you want to answer Let's first? Let's do music first, and then we'll talk uh, reading. Okay. So growing up, my parents, they were into the oldies, I guess you could say, stuff from the 50s and 60s. My dad, really into the Beatles, really into the Rolling Stones. My mom, super into Kenny Rogers. So I grew up on this weird blend of country, classic rock, oldies kind of music. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And did you embrace that music or were you a rebel and found your own voice music pretty soon and then when you hit earlier I often find this that people will rebel against their parents music and then when they turn 30 they'll go that Johnny Cash guy wasn't that bad yes that's you know what it's so funny that you say that because I'm smiling ear to ear because that's exactly what happened yeah so as a teenager teenage angst I'm the weird freak gothic chick and heavy metal kill your mother kill your father kind of music and it was expressive it 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 spoke to me it made me feel like it was okay to be angry at the world at this weird time in my life the whole nine yards right the whole teenage angst thing sure absolutely yeah yes I rebelled I totally went against oh your music sucks I hate right something weird happened when I was like in high school I don't know Later on in high school, college, maybe I developed this like weird crush on Kenny Rogers, (laughs) right? Like I thought it hot in a weird, like country old man dad way. And I really then appreciated his music. And then in college being open, being more open, not to just the Pantera and the Nirvana and the Fear Factory and all that stuff, right? Slipknot. I circled back and, and really appreciated the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And okay, yeah, I, I, I could jam to this. I'm very eclectic in, in my music. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I find there are two kinds. My guests can go into general two topics where they never abandoned their parents' music, but just expanded their horizon Or as I said earlier, they totally went against it. And then as their adulthood, they discovered that there was some beauty and music in that. I always, I quote this often, but Penn Gillette from the Magic Team, Penn & Teller, talks about that when he hears a teenager saying they love classic rock, he gets almost angry. No, you are not supposed to like your parents' music. You should be, rock and roll is finding that music your parents hate or you think they're going to hate even if they actually like it because it's all part of the rebellion and growing up that's neat yeah all right so let's flip family of readers no no okay no yeah no now were you Um, a reader up until about ninth grade okay i hate reading okay but what's my thing my my dad was a storyteller and I, t- I tell the story all the time. He would sit me down and he would read, not like books or anything. He would read me the newspaper, the magazine, the back of a cereal box. He'd sit me on his yeah. lap and he'd whatever, read to me. And then one time he just didn't have anything to read. So he made up a story okay. and the story was a, this fractured fairy tale. And I was so like, whoa, dad, he's got it going on. Like he's a storyteller. Like I want to do that. 
So that like really inspired me to want to tell my own stories. And, um, but as far as reading my mom, they never, I don't know, they just never encouraged it or they just let me do my own thing. Sad story as an adult, as a writer, my mom never read any of my books ever. Mm. And yeah, it was, it's a sad story. It will never leave me. She yeah. passed away almost two years ago. So it's, ah, damn you woman. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not quite as sad, but my wife never listens to my podcast. <laughs> <gasps> oh, I feel for you. I know she was proud of you though. I have she no was. doubt she was proud of you. Yeah, she was in her own yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's... As a dad, I wonder how much am I effing up my son, right? <laughs> right? Just because it goes that way, yeah. So it doesn't sound like you may have wanted to be a writer, but based on that, you wanted to be a storyteller? Is that a distinction you felt? No. I wanted to be a writer. Okay, you did. I did. I did. I wanted, I wanted to walk into a bookstore and point at a shelf and be like, that's mine. I did that. Like I, I wanted to have that. And I wanted, I think I partially, I wanted it to give to my dad because I'm like, okay, spark this in me. So now I want to show you what I'm going to do with it. I, I did. I, I think early on, I really did want to be a writer. Yeah. And in some uh, capacity. Okay. And does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. Why this genre? I'm weird. Okay. There's nothing I'm... wrong with that. I love that. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Yes. Are you the cool teacher at school in, yeah. in junior high? I... Yeah. You have that burden? Look, I don't want to chew my own gift. horn. No, it's a... My grandfather used to say it's a poor frog who won't croak over his own pond. But you're like, <laughs> what the hell does that mean, Grandpa? But look like I hold up my like you can, I'm all my whole body I'm all tatted up I've got the yeah. piercing I've got I dress in black all the time I talk to the kids like they're people sure. not like they're my subordinates I talk right. to them like they're actual human beings yeah and I just have a really good rapport with them and I think it starts there I guess if you want to say I yeah maybe I am yeah, of course you're the cool teacher are you how much of the double takes do you get on parent teacher night at first, yes. Okay. At first, yes. But now I've been a teacher at this one school, this the same school for 19 years now. Okay. You They're like, used to me. You were like, like 10 when you started? I didn't know. <laughs> I've been sorry. teaching for 24 years. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, no, so they're used to me. They see me. They're like, oh, that crazy lady. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. And also because siblings have come back and said, oh, you're going to love Miss Devio, right? You're going to yeah. love Mrs. D. Yeah, yeah she's totally. Miss D is the greatest. Yeah. What do you, I'm really looking forward to hearing the Mary question from you. So I, I'm going to hold off getting to the end. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go through the vegetables and entree before I get to dessert, but I'm looking forward to that question. The, what, what was the, when you decided to start telling stories and writing and you talked about, you always felt a little bit, you liked being a little bit weird and working in the dark. Was there a story immediately you thought, I think I want to get this on paper. 
Tell me about it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's so funny how like everything always intertwines with my teaching life. I don't right. know. So do we have time for a little story? Always. We have all the okay. time in the world. Yeah. So I wanted to write. I, I knew I always wanted to write. always wanted to be a writer, right? I'm teaching in New York because I lived there my whole life, right? Okay. And I moved in, in 19 years ago, right? I'm teaching in New York. I'm teaching at a Catholic school. And it's Christmas time. And I come in. We're having this big old Christmas party. And I come in this black velvet dress. And I got a black velvet Santa Claus hat on, right? And all the kids are like, oh, my God, you look like a bad elf. You look like, oh, and I go, I switched. Like, I like it was like instant. I go, yeah, you're all getting coal in your stocking. And I started relating this idea. I'm going to be the elf. I'm going to give them coal. And, and then I like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We all know the legend. If you're bad, you're getting coal in your stocking, right? Yeah. Who puts it there? How does it get there? We, we don't know really much beyond that. So yeah. I took a post, I took a post-it note and I wrote the coal elf and I slapped it in a binder and I was like, okay, I had that idea in my head for years and years. And then like, I moved to Florida, I got married, moved to Florida, I had a kid, everything was going great. And I'm like, I got to write that story. Like I, I have to, I had that idea in my head for years and I was like, I got to get this out. And my husband was like, freaking do it. Yeah. So I did it. Awesome. So what is that? What's the name of that uh, book? Okay. So it's The Coal Elf. Okay. And basic premise is it's elves at the North Pole who mine coal for the naughty kids at Christmas. And it's their story. That is awesome. And that was your first your first series, your first book? Yeah, my first book, my first series, my first labor of love. Lots of blood, sweat, and tears went into that thing. <laughs> yeah. And did you, did it just feel natural to explore that genre and tell those stories? It, I'm fascinated by the premise right away. Thank you. Yeah, yeah no, it did. It felt like. When I was writing that, obviously it was my first book. I'd, I'd never done that before. I've yeah. always written like short stories and poetry and whatever. Yeah. But this was my first stab at a full length novel. But the genre felt, it, it was home. Like this was, and that story, that series is dark fantasy, scary parts, whatever. But it's more for young adults. It's more for, I wrote that for my kids, okay. for middle school. Okay. Adults like it as well, but it's more for them. And then from there, I increase, and I'm like, okay, I, I, I found myself, I found my voice and I really took off into like more adult genre. Okay. What was your next section? What was your next series that you wanted to explore? So then after I did the, the cool elf stuff, I moved on to uh, zombies. <laughs> okay. Zombies with a twist. Okay. Um, so I wrote my altered series. It's called The Altered. And it's about a zombie virus that breaks out. People start eating each other and all sure. that's how it goes. That happens. But a cure is found. It okay. happens, right? It happens. Yeah. But a cure is found. And people who were infected with the virus are now transformed, but they're not human. And they're not zombie. They're altered. Okay. So this is that's their story. 
and how do they fit back into society and all that yeah and that one got more adult as so the Koloff stuff is more like the cutesy altered yeah got more, more intense more intense yeah okay good do you have a preference of or is it two different muscles doing the young adult fantasy or doing the adult an adult but more serious not necessarily though you may do a little bit erotica i don't know okay good okay yes. <laughs> oh no when i say adult okay adult. adult okay there's it's different i have to temper myself when i'm writing in the young adult genre obviously because i can get pretty wild i did enjoy it i did like writing but i think i'm more suited for the adult material and i just i needed to write in the ya in order to find myself like i said before like i found my voice and yeah. i i feel more comfortable writing the darker sexy stuff that's my thing that's what i like yeah so you've done elves you've done zombies what else i've done angels and demons oh okay that's always a fun kind of genre to explore yeah basic premise is angels in heaven she's an angel in heaven She's got to come down to earth to help this human boy on his journey in life. And she falls in love with him. Okay. It's a romance, but all hell breaks loose because that can't happen. And uh, yeah, it gets very biblical. Okay. Alternate biblical. Do you have to do a lot of research for something like that, a series? Yes. But I grew up in the Catholic Church, so I had a very solid understanding of Bible verse and uh, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. All the religious Catholic Christian dogma. And yeah, so I was able to use my own knowledge. And then obviously I did do a lot of research, but yeah, I had a backing. So yeah, what's what's a what is a uh, a genre or a what sounds like you love taking and this is a good thing a cliche trope and making your own is there another one that you're itching to scratch not right now okay not right now i am working on my saga so that's okay. my witches series okay and that is going to be 10 books oh wow i'm currently writing book six okay so I've got four more to go after this one. So I, I need to see that through. And it's so intense and so interconnected that like each book is a standalone novel. Like you can read the series in any order, yeah. but I have to keep all my ducks in a row. I'm, I'm very into this series. When I'm done with that, I don't know. It depends on where my brain takes me. Okay, good. Do you think you have interest in doing something less genre? just to for a change of pace i haven't really thought about it okay i haven't no that's a lie that's a lie okay i was watching my husband and i we watch true crime shows every night and yeah. we came across this one called disappeared and we saw this one we're watching this episode about this girl she was out in the woods blah 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 yeah and i said to him uh oh wouldn't it be funny if i wrote a serial killer comedy and i had this idea in my head and he goes no don't do that <laughs> He's like, no, that's not you. Don't do that. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but it might be fun to explore that. I Are you a reader now? Or do you spend most time writing that you don't get a chance to read? No, I can't. Between 
I read student essays. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. But, and I feel bad. I know I should read more. I know I just, I suck at it. I'm so bad because I'm like reading a book and I go, oh, I could be writing. You know, I often hear when I listen to podcasts with show creative people that are TV runners or showrunners or writers, they will talk about that they can't, like if they do a drama TV show, they can't watch another drama because they just, they're critiquing it too much. Why did they do the act break there? What did they do? I would have done this differently. So they'll watch reality or comedies. And the same thing, a comedy writer or something says, no, I have to watch, as you said, true crime or dramas because it it's too hard to get your mind out of, oh, why did they do that choice and what's going on? I think sometimes some people still continue to love to read, but there are other people that I need to get out of side my area because it just it's too much in my head. Yeah, there's a definite fine line between the analytical and the creative. Yeah. And I feel, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So I want to go back to teaching. You said literature. So what is being taught nowadays? I remember reading, I went to high school in the dark ages. I graduated high school in 77. So I remember. No, you did not. Yes, I did. Yes. No, I you did not. Said, yes. And I remember like reading The Crucible and other things. So what what is being taught now? What are your students enjoying or you're having them enjoy? <laughs> I'm forcing them yes. to enjoy. <laughs> because we're in this TikTok era now, right? Yes. Our lovely county. We have this curriculum that is very, and I'll be the first want to say it. it it's I don't like it yeah remember back in the day we used to read full-length novels sure the t- we'd do a four-week thing or one month read the book nah, do the questions all that and deep dive it's not like that anymore it's a lot of nonfiction text okay. it's a lot of excerpts from novels hmm. we read one novel in seventh grade what is that the epic fail of Arturo Zamora I have and no idea what that book. it's a newer book. It's okay. a newer book. It's not anything classic. Okay. My my daughter's in ninth grade, and she told me the other day. She's oh yeah, we read this poem called Beowulf, and I was like, oh, you read Beowulf? You yeah. didn't tell me you were reading Beowulf? She's like, we just read like a little piece of it. Yeah. How do you, how do you not read all of Beowulf? Like I don't remember Beowulf, but I remember reading the Ancient Mariner, oh, and yes. was fascinated by that. I, I think sometimes, and I was always, I've always been a reader. I'm just someone who my mom used to say, if you put Jesse Wayne in a corner with a book, he could sit there for hours. And and I re- remember sometimes it was really cool that Mrs. Weeks, who was my high school English teacher, she was also my homeroom teacher, be like, okay, we can either read blank, the book that's in the textbook, or if everyone will order, we can watch we can read I don't remember, the pig man or something I don't just vaguely there was a more modern paperback that we yeah. all got through Scholastic so we could read and I sometimes think that would be like maybe something from John Green or something to say to try to maybe make a child wake that love of reading yeah. uh, so yeah it's hard yeah it's hard 
Um, yeah. We recently, a couple weeks ago, we read Annabelle Lee. I read yeah. with the kids. Yeah. And they dug that. They liked that a lot. And I was like, all right, if you like Annabelle Lee, let's get, go more into Poe. Let's go tell, tell yeah. Lord, let's do the Raven. Let's, so that was cool. I got to see the excitement for that. And we also did, we read the teleplay, Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, Rod Serling. And in our textbook, it's a snippet. And I was like, screw that. I'm not, no. you, you cannot read yeah. Rod Serling snippet. No, so we no, read no. the whole thing. And we acted it out. They were like, they were really hyped about it. So it's hit or miss. And did it's also you, seventh grade. Did you guys watch the teleplay then after you guys yes. had read it? That's cool. Of course. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. We did a little compare and contrast. And then I showed them, there was a 2002 version where Forrest Whitaker was the the host. Yeah. And they had revived the Twilight Zone. It only lasted one season, but... They did, they updated the Monsters Are Due on Maple Street and we did a compare contrast and it was really cool. It was cool. That sounds very cool. Good, cool. What do you wish you could cover if you, if they gave you, okay, you've got a couple weeks or whatever would be the right amount of time to cover something. What would you want to cover? Well, they took it away from me. See, yeah. we in seventh grade, we used to be able to teach the outsiders, S.E. Hinton. Which I is, loved that book in junior high. Yes. Stay gold, Pony Boy. I keep meaning to buy it again and read it as an adult. I remember loving that book. Yeah. So that book yeah. fundamentally changed my life. Tell me. Like that was the book that I read it in seventh grade. Yeah. And I remember my teacher telling us that, oh, Essie Hinton was 14 when she wrote this. And when she was walking off her, you know, getting her diploma from high school, there were people down at the bottom of the stage handing her a contract to have this book published. And I remember saying, wow, if Essie Hinton can do that at 14 and, and write this book at 14, I'm going to do that. And I, I just, I fell in love with the characters. I fell in love with that book. And that was the book that made me say, yes, I am going to be a published author. We used to be able to teach the outsiders and then they took it away from us. Is it so on that, the bad list or? No, they said it was too young for seventh grade. So they moved it up to eighth grade. Okay. And, and then the eighth graders are like, no, we don't want to read this. So now they're reading some other bullshit. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, I told you you're good. I know. I just... uh, yeah, no, you're good. I think that's, I, I love that. There, I do not have that that one book that made that made me change or something life affirming, but I love that story. That, and I imagine, um, I, I'll tell a similar story that's not about me but someone else. A guy named Mark Evanier that has written for all kinds of books. He's written TV. He was the executive producer and writer. For the Garfield comic cartoon show forever. Yeah. He does Gru and all this other stuff. And he was in an elevator once and Dick Van Dyke was there. And he said, I just want to let you know that I adore the Dick Van Dyke show. And Dick Van Dyke stopped him and said, you watched the show and you said, I want to be a writer 
because I get to hang out with people like Buddy and Sally and I get to marry Tyler Moore. And Mark uh-huh. goes, yes. He said, you'd be surprised how many people tell me that story. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine if you were telling Essie Hinton, she would, and, and this was with love in his heart. It wasn't Dick Van Dyke was belittling him. He was just going, right. you are not alone in this influence, right? It, I'm sure Essie Hinton would go, thank you. I Every time I hear that story, and I hear it a lot, it brings me joy. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure she hears that constantly. <laughs> yeah. All right. You've influenced me. I am going to. I'm going to order the Kindle version. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to read it again. I me you know, too. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember my son hated to read, um, and just he still doesn't like to read very much. And in fact, he, I told him, I said, you can't get through high school without reading a book. And when he graduated, he said, told you I could. Really? You're <gasps> bragging about that? What? And then after he graduated college, he said, Dad, class is a lot easier if you actually read the book. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah. You think? And his, my co, I, I was a Cub Scout leader and my co-leader was Miss Renee, who was a librarian. And he was telling that story to her and she's, oh, Chris. And he said, yeah, it turns out if you actually read the book, show up at class every day, it's a lot easier to pass. And her husband, Mark, said, Chris, you will find that half the battle in real life is showing up every day being prepared. He said, that is more than half the battle. Uh, Amen. So anyway, on his summer readings was Holes, right? And he never cared about it. I read it and was like, oh, my God. What a clever book. What a yes. book that is just so put together well. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was like, please read this. And he's like, yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about music a little bit. You mentioned, hey. tell me your favorite band. My favorite band of all time is a band called Fear Factory. Okay. And how did you, when did you discover them? And what about their music spoke to you? Okay. So I was in high school. It was actually like senior year. Yeah, senior year. It was 95. Okay. And uh, I graduated in 1995. So now I'm aging myself. Okay. I'm in my room and I was hanging out and a friend of mine comes over and he's put the CD in right now. And I'm like, okay. So I put in, I had this giant stereo that was a six CD changer with like the dual cassette tape that I saved up all my money all high school and this thing was like $750 you you remember I'm like all right so I put in the CD and he's all right go to this go to this song right so I go to the song and it starts playing and it was like I had never heard anything like that before it blends industrial music with rock and then just the vocals it's like that screaming like heavy metal scream like the growl but then the vocalist does like this clean vocal singing over it and it's like this harmony and at the end of the song it's called zero signal and at the end of the song there's like this piano mix and it was just so beautiful and it I don't know. It was so heavy and so aggressive, but yet it was so beautiful at the same time. And I was like, wow, I've never heard anything like this. And it just like touched my soul a little bit. And I was hooked. The I, I asked this question and I preface this 
when I have someone like a Bruce fan on my podcast that the amount of times you've seen your favorite band is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. There are people that have never seen Bruce perform live that are massive fans. There's other people that because they grew up in the right era, living in the New England, Jersey area, have seen them hundreds of times. But have you been able to see them perform live? And if so, do you count? Three. Three times. Okay. Yep. Three times. (laughs) Yeah. When was the first time? Oh, geez. The first time was in the early 2000s. Okay. They were an opening band. And then I saw them again shortly thereafter. And then I saw them again uh, th- those two times were in New York, and then I saw them again in Florida, two thousand. I want to say two thousand six. Yeah. Yes, two thousand six. Yeah. Talk to me about young Maria going to see her favorite band the first time. Tell me that experience. Oh my god, that was a trip. That yeah. was a trip. I was like on cloud nine. So I don't know too many people who could fall asleep at a heavy metal concert, but. That would be me. The opening band, I was not like a fan of whatever. And they were a really heavy band called Lamb of God. And uh, I sat in the back and I popped my head back up on the wall and I just passed out, right? Listening to okay. the beat or whatever. And then when they came on, when they were like getting ready, like the change stage, I shot right up. I ran to the front of the, the mosh pit area. And my husband comes right up behind me and he's like, all right, I got, you know, like, I got to protect you (laughs) because I'm a little girl, like I'm little and I'm in this mosh pit, a violent mosh pit with all these like big dudes fighting each other over this heavy metal music. And I'm just like, in my glory. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Are there, are there songs of theirs or albums that you go to on a regular basis that kind of speak to you or when you're needing refreshment or needing to be inspired? Yes, absolutely. Their second album, Demanufacture. That was the one that my friend said, hey, listen to this. And that's my go-to. That's their, hands down, their best album. Okay. And is there any songs that, are they still together? Are they still touring? They are, they just finished up the tour. Their original vocalist left the band. So they got this new guy in. So there's, they've been on like a little hiatus recently, but I think they're going to be touring again next year and with the new guy, with the new singer. So I'm definitely interested. Is, yeah. And are there songs that you're chasing that you want to hear them done live that you haven't heard yet? That I haven't heard. I haven't heard anything off of their newest album, so okay. that would be cool because I think their newest album is Genexus, and it is definitely number two as far as quality goes and and okay. song construction and all of that. So I have yet to hear any of those songs played live. So I think that would be yeah something I'm, I'm cool. looking forward to. That's yeah. very cool. So you mentioned that your latest series is about witches. Tell me a little bit about it. Okay. So basically, are you familiar with American Horror Story? Yeah, I'm yeah, familiar, yes. Okay, so American Horror Story, the way it's set up is each season is a different theme, but they're all, right. all connected, right? So that's like how my Blood Witch series is. It's about witches who are just looking to open up the portal to hell 
and let the old gods and old demons come on earth and reign supreme, right? That's like the ultimate goal in a nutshell. It's okay. obviously more involved than that. Yeah. But each book is a standalone. Like I said before, it could be read in any order and it follows each witch on his or her journey throughout time of how they're going to try to get this portal opened up. And they're all based on actual events in history. Oh, okay. So I take the real elements of things that happen that are familiar and I make that the backdrop to what's happening within the story. Oh, interesting. Yeah, very cool. So have you had memorable interactions with your fans? Do you have some stories you want to share? It's always, I do a lot of conventions, right? I I do like the convention circuit, a lot of book signings, a lot of horror shows. I haven't really ventured outside of Florida just because of the job and and home life situation, whatever, but that's coming. Like I'm I'm eventually going to branch out to other states or whatever, but I do a lot of horror conventions. So I'm a familiar face. So people will walk by my table and be like, oh, I know you were at the last show. And I'll be like, yeah, Um, I love when I get, Somebody who like runs up to my table and was like, I saw on social media that you were going to be here. And I saw you at such and such show like five months ago when I bought the first book and I read it and I loved it. And now I'm here for book number two and I'm here for book number three and I'm here for, you know what I mean? And it's, I just wanted to see you. And that to know that people are reading the words that I wrote and are having an effect from them. it's, It's really cool. It's a really cool feeling to have that. When I have a real good friend named Tom Zoller, who does romantic, superhero romantic comedies in comic book form. And I, we had become friends. And so often for a while he was coming to conventions in Dallas and I would go with him. And I try to go to Dragon Con is whenever I can. And he's there at Dragon Con Atlanta great convention one of the best in the world and and we talked about there was nothing better than he'd be in dallas and someone would come up and exactly say that you were here last year and you i bought the book do you have anything new and he's yeah one of our best moments and i say we because i was sharing it with him but this it was a couple and it was very clear that the female part of the relationship was there just because he wanted to go. She had that bored look like, I really like him, but he's going through this weird phase. (laughs) I have no interest. And, And Tom and I pitched and she said, Okay, that sounds interesting. I'll take an issue. And so, of course, the boyfriend's thrilled, right? Oh, she's buying a comic. She's on board. Yeah. She's yeah. on board. And yeah. so he mouse, thank you. <laughs> the next day, he came back without her. He goes, she didn't come today. She wants her everything. She loved it. Give me everything else you have. She says, I've got to read more of the series. And Tom and I looked at each other. I said, okay, that's a good moment. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. That you can... Yes, it's amazing to have a lot of sales and critical acclaim. But when you have somebody who says, oh, I don't like horror or I don't like dark fantasy, and they come back and go, Maria, I really liked this. Tell me more. 
That's got to be give a great me feeling. more. Yeah, yeah, more. I love it. I love yeah. it. Do your students read your books sometimes? They do. Oh, yeah, they do. I actually had one girl. She said, "Oh, I finished the Coal Elf, and the library doesn't have the second book." And I was like, "All right, baby, I got you." Yeah, I got you. you. Bought her in a copy. And she's like, okay, you have to just tell me. what." And then she's asking questions like, no, you read the book. Then we'll talk. Yeah. But yeah, no, they do. They do. That's cool. That's good. Do you ever get feedback that they read the Elf series and they go to the stronger stuff and go, whoa, I was surprised? No, because I keep the witches books under wraps. Like I never talk about them. Okay. Because of the adult nature, like I don't even want the kids to know that those books exist. Yes. But so they'll read, I've had a couple of kids, they read the coal elf and then they're like, they'll go to the altered and they're like, okay, I like zombies better. It's more intense, whatever. And they like it because they feel like, oh, it's, I'm reading something more adult. Oh, Mr. Vivo said the F word on page 34. Yeah. The one one and only time I say the F word. But meanwhile, in The Witches, it's like sex, drugs, rock and roll. And it's yeah. only, but. Yeah, that's great. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> but they, you know, they do. They read my good. tame good. stuff. All right. So at this point, you're focused on finishing your Witches series, correct? Yes. Yes. All right. I'd love to have you come back when you're ready to explore what's the next phase in your literary career. Of course. I'll come back whenever you want me. I'm here. I love it, Maria. All right. Um, This has been so much fun. I I appreciate the time. I I feel like we could talk all night. Oh my God. Um, I know, right? Yeah. All right. We're going to end with a Mary question. Then I'm going to let you tell everyone how you can find your books and reach out to you. But- Jay Armstrong was an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. And when he was, in fact, he was similar to you. He started an organization called Write On, Fight Fight On, where he had his students work on writing and doing. He does a lot of work with his students to write. It's in high school. But his honors English classes, when they were seniors, he would give them all the lyrics to Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen, and they would break it down as if it was a poem. And then they would talk about the imagery Bruce uses. They would talk about the themes he explores. They compare it to like the Robert Frost, the Road Not Taken, and other American poets. And then at the end of the day, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? So first, as a teacher, don't, wouldn't you love to be in that class? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maria, your question is, does Mary get in the car? Okay, so there's no wrong answer to this, That right? is absolutely correct. Okay. There is no correct. In fact, I've started changing when I email my potential guest. I've started saying, the instead of the question is, I want your opinion, does Mary get in the car? Yeah. Okay. I think she does. Okay. And I have to be honest. Sure. When I had, I listened to the song a couple of times and, um, I'm deaf. I half, I'm half deaf in my right ear. Okay. So when I listen to music, sometimes it's hard for me to understand the lyrics, especially if it's not like that, kill your mother, kill your father kind of music, because right. that I can hear it. You know what I mean? When it comes to, I feel like when it comes to like Bruce Springsteen, Johnny Cash, uh, John Mellencamp, uh, yeah. Neil Young, like the, the storyteller, singer, yeah. songwriters. 
I have a really hard time hearing, like literally okay. hearing it. Okay. So I printed out the lyrics. So I'm ahead of you. I'm reading it. And the thoughts that went through my head, and this kind of circles back to me being like different than everybody else. I got like a really different vibe than what I think is supposed to be given. I felt like the narrator was very stalker-ish. He says, Mary's the dress. And he like, like as if he's watching her from a distance and he's like stalking her. Mary's not very pretty either, right? Mary does is not very good looking. That is one of the reasons why my wife says that she doesn't get in the car because he calls her ugly. <laughs> yeah. She's, right? She's, wait a minute. Why? I don't, hell no, I'm not getting the car with you. You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. F you, buddy. Yes. But I yeah. don't think, I don't think Mary has a choice. I think okay. he's taking her in the car. Mm, okay. And he's going to, and she actually might be a little okay with this at first because all the other guys that have gone away and got away and all that, and maybe she's not getting a lot of attention. And here he is, he's like, yeah. You're not pretty, but you're all right. And, you yeah. know, come take that ride with me, baby. Yeah. I think she goes. I think okay. she goes. And I don't think it's going to end up well for her. Okay. So I love that answer. Uh, <laughs> I I love that answer. I just love that answer because it's a different perspective. So I just got a you. creepo vibe. I got a creepo vibe. I got you. Total creepo vibe. Yeah. Now, I always say that to defend the narrator, I feel that Mary is always talking bad about herself, saying, mm -hmm. I'm not attractive. I'm not, no one would want me. I'm, I'm old. I'm washed up or no one. And so he's doing the acknowledgement of sales. Hey, you, you say you ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. But I'm no hero either. So I sure. do that in my mind to say, no, he isn't calling her ugly. He's just trying to convince her. So that sure. is amazing. All right, Maria, if someone wants to reach you and find your work, what's the best way? I'm all over social media. But if you want to get everything in one spot, you're going to go to mariadevivo.com. Absolutely. That is perfect. All right. I want to thank you for a couple of things. One, reminding me that I need to wa read The Outsiders. Two, yes. I now want to know the story of why is are the elves slaves to Santa having to work in the coal mine? Or is that just their tradition? I don't want to know. I want to figure this out myself. And, and are they... I love when a series is the idea of people we think are the villains. First off, every good villain is a hero in their own story, right? Absolutely. But I love when there's the twist that I'm just doing my side of what's supposed to be done. In my own way, I'm just, I'm. if there isn't that counterbalance, things go wrong. So I have to do my job. And I remember there was this really... Yeah, I just, I love that premise. So I'm going to definitely check out that trilogy. So I appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you. All Thank right, you. listeners, go to the website, check out the books, sign up for her newsletter. If you're going to be in a convention in Florida and Maria's there, go by and give her a hug and tell her that Jesse sent you. Listen to some loud music and- Beer Factory, baby.
Yeah, fear factor. There we go. <laughs> Maria, thank you so much. This was a joy. Uh, thank you. I had such a good time. I am glad. You are welcome anytime. Listeners, go. Remember to be kind, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at setlustingbruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.